living <coughs> living together on this retreat, gathered as a a human community for this period of time. Life is uh, extraordinarily simple. <coughs> the bell wakes us up in the morning. We gather in the dry room, chant, sit. gather for breakfast, do the washing up, go about our chores, sit, walk, eat. Don't have to talk to anybody, don't have to make any decisions. Everything is provided for us, shelter and food, good company. safe situation, even gloriously beautiful weather. This is about as simple as human life can get. Benign, peaceful, repetitive. Just about as simple and as uncomplicated as life can be. And we arrange it this way, we set things up in this way to create the conditions, the most supportive conditions for us to be able to see clearly, to be able to understand how the mind works, how the world works. What is this strange condition of human life, the mind, the body, the universe. What is it? How does it work? And the simpler the living situation, the simpler our routine, our mode of being, then the easier it is to discern those patterns of relationship. What are the, the laws that govern our experience? But our, our minds love complication, don't they? The mind, out of its habits, delights in creating complication, conceptual proliferation, or papancha in the Pali language. The thinking mind loves to create more complication. calculating and elaborating. Running off in this direction and that. 
creating commentaries and opinions and judgments. Well, this is one of the diseases of the mind, papancha. One of the the epithets of the Buddha was nipapancha, one who is free from complication, free from the mind's uh, habitual elaborations. Because in each moment, life is extremely simple. There is just this. The experience of the body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness, coming, going, changing. Sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought and mood, coming and going, organic patterns of change, patterns of nature, taking shape and dissolving. That's all. But the mind loves to create complications. The thinking mind takes hold of a perception and out of memory and imagination, desire and fear, restlessness, frustration. This creates commentaries and sub-commentaries and sub-sub-commentaries. Strings of association. We hear the sound of a bird, it reminds us of a, a place where we used to live, it reminds us who we used to live with, it reminds us who we went on holiday with, what happened on that holiday, the excitements, the arguments, and within seconds we're, we're off, reliving events that that happened ten years ago, or didn't actually happen, that uh, imagining how it could have been on that wonderful holiday if only we got it right and we hadn't said this stupid thing and had said this wonderful thing instead, and this person hadn't been that way and I hadn't been this way, and, and then and then and then. So during the day, when you find the mind wandering off down these long associative trains of thought, drifting away into recreating events of the past, planning events of the future, creating imaginative descriptions about your mind and its workings, 
Notice that feeling of complication, the feeling of entanglement, wrapped up in our thoughts, carried away. Notice what that feels like. In the mind, also in the body. And then follow it back. One way of working with this kind of habit is then to simply trace it back. When you find yourself in the middle of replaying a conversation of how it could have been or should have been ten years ago, then follow the, the chain of causes back to where it came from. Replaying the conversation, then that came from thinking about that person that you were on holiday with. That came from the thought that you lived with them at the time. That came from the recognition of where it was you lived and the birds you heard in the garden. And then, all right, it all came from the sound of that pigeon. It was the sound of a bird. That's where it began. And when we trace it back to its source, we follow it back to its origin, we realize it was just a sound. That's all. Just hearing. In its origin, in its source, the whole thing was supremely simple. And yet once it was up and running, it turned up, turned into me here and the world out there, and a tension between the two of us. This kind of practice is called uh, following back the to the source, or tracing back the the energy following the, the radiance, the brightness of the mind, back to its source. And you follow a train of thought back to its origin. It gets simpler and clearer the further along you go back to its beginning point. So when we follow it back, notice oh, it was just a sensation in the body. It was just a sound. Just an object that was seen, tasted, smelt. That's all. And once we follow it back to its origin, again, notice that feeling of uncomplicatedness, the nipapancha. One of the Buddha's encouragements in this area is don't complicate the uncomplicated. Don't complicate the uncomplicated. But when we follow things back, 
stay with things simply as they are, then whether we can interpret exactly what they mean or what their qualities are, doesn't really matter. Whether it's a mood or a thought or a sensation in the body, we don't have to be able to explain it or figure out its causes. When we bring the attention right to it in this moment, all we need to know is this is the way it is. It's this way. And that tells us everything that we need to know. Just as the Buddha says in the Satipatthana Sutta, to bring mindfulness to the present experience, the body, or feeling, mood, mind states, sufficient simply to know there is this. That's all. That's all we need to do. No more explanation or analysis is, is really necessary. Ajahn Buddhadasa, one of the great philosopher monks of, of Thailand, was a very against superstition and fortune telling and amulets and such, did say there was there was one amulet that was worth having. The only amulet that's worth keeping, hanging around your neck, is one that has written on it Benyang Ni Eng. This is the way it is. So that's a really useful amulet. So when you are experiencing great happiness and joy and peace, you can reflect. This is the way it is. When you're experiencing the utterly ordinary, mundane, unremarkable, this is, this is the way it is. When you're experiencing pain and anguish, difficulty, this is the way it is. When you're experiencing the familiar, this is the way it is. When you're experiencing the mysterious, this is the way it is. That simple reflection brings the attention right to the, the felt sense of uh, the present reality. Here it is. This is the Dhamma of the present moment, the Pachupana Dhamma. It's like this. No further description, analysis, or qualification is needed. Just bringing the attention to this moment, supremely uncomplicated, complete. Being that aware, awake quality that participates in the present moment. Being that Buddha wisdom that knows the way things are, that knows this.
the faculty of awareness, the Buddha wisdom, seeing the way things are, the Dhamma, the fabric of this moment. That's all. And in that pure simplicity, there's a quality of spaciousness, clarity, peacefulness. To the conditioned mind, this moment seems ordinary, unremarkable, nothing special. Back then in the past, over there in the future, we can think of, imagine, special things, off in the future, something wonderful, something terrible. But this moment, to the ignorant conditioned senses, seems ordinary, nothing special. But when there's a letting go of creations, papancha, about the past, about the future, when the mind no longer is distracted by those imaginings, its own creations, we fully attend, open the awareness to this present moment. Then the ordinary blossoms as the wonderful, this moment is full of wonder, of wonderment, if we notice it. The Dhamma is always here. It's not over there. It's not up in the past or the future. The Dhamma is nowhere but in this present reality. So in a way, even using a term like the present moment is a bit deceptive because it isn't as though there really is another moment other than this one. This is the only moment we have. When we open the heart to this moment, letting go of conceptions of past and future, habits of self-view. And the heart awakens to this present reality as a spaciousness, a brightness, a richness, a wonderment. The Thai word for ordinary is tamada. And when you look at how the word is written, you realize that it comes from the Pali word dhammata, which means of the nature of dhamma. So right there in that word is the clue. Hidden in the ordinary, tamada, ordinary, not special, average, is the dhammata, the wonderful ultimate nature of reality, 
the ultimate truth of all things, is here, disguised as the ordinary. We peel back the veneer of our habitual judgments and perceptions. We let go of the habits of opinion and believing in our conditioning, the habits of Silapata Paramasa, self-view and attachment to conventions. When we peel those away, we remove the veneer of attachment to our opinions and views, belief in conventions. Underneath that wrapper is the Dhammata, the Dhamma itself. Ultimate reality, the fundamental truth of all things, is here. Can't be anywhere else. Now we don't have to create the Dhamma, we don't have to build it or develop it. It's always here. And Pochar would use the analogy of groundwater. Says, you don't have to put water in the ground, it's already there. All you have to do is to dig a well, and sooner or later you hit water. The Dhamma is like groundwater. It's always here. We just have to dig for it. And it's digging through the layers of self-view, sakayaditi, silapataparamasa, attachment to conventions, rites and rituals, habitual perceptions, vichikicha, doubt about what is the path, what is not the path? This is the, the layers that have to be dug through for the Dhamma to be known, to be seen. This takes the work, the work of Dhamma practice, the work of meditation, mindfulness. bringing attention each moment to the mind's habitual beliefs, judgments, the stories we tell ourselves. This is what obscures the Dhamma in each moment. So if it's seen clearly, understood, then those obscurations can evaporate. We stop following the trains of Papancha. We bring things back to the simplicity of this moment and see the beliefs and thoughts, judgments the mind creates. We see them for what they are. Then we can see through them and let them go. The heart no longer confused or 
distracted by them. As we develop the practice and are able to discern trains of thought, judgments and perceptions a little more easily, one way to help support seeing through them, not being confused or deluded by them, is when you, you notice your mind wanting something, fearing something, resenting something, opinionating about something, just take that simple judgment, that opinion, that desire, and freeze it. Look at it. So when we take a particular judgment or thought of the mind, clarify it, outline it, then it loses its power to confuse us. So maybe uh, you have a, a cough or a cold, and you think, if I didn't have this cough, I would be really happy. This retreat would be perfect. If only I didn't have this tickle in my throat. Passing thought seems reasonable enough. But when we, stop, when we stop it, freeze it, really listen to it, repeat it to ourselves. If I didn't have this cough, I would be happy. And you realize, no. Because uh, a few days ago you didn't have a cough and you managed to be upset and irritated, agitated by different things. If only I didn't have this difficult relationship with my brother. If only he was different, everything would be fine. If only I could stop my thinking, everything would be great. This is a simple method but incredibly effective. It's to notice the trains of thought that we believe in, the judgments, the hopes, irritations, to clarify them. And notice it's because of believing in their contents we create confusion, alienation within ourselves. And when we isolate a particular thought or judgment, if only that person didn't breathe in that really annoying way, then my 
my meditation retreat would be perfect. If only I didn't have this particular characteristic. If only I could just stop planning. Then I'd be happy. Whatever it might be. Something about ourselves, something about the world around us. Judging something as beautiful, ugly. When you stop it, follow it through, clarify it. Every judgment. This is great. This is awful. When you isolate it, clarify it, know it clearly, then its partial and relative nature, its dependent nature, becomes obvious. When you, the mind judges something as, oh, that's awful, that's ugly, the wisdom mind knows, well, that's just one point of view. What constitutes ugliness? What constitutes beauty in any absolute way? The simple conscious act, taking a thought, a mood, a judgment, clarifying it, isolating it, just Steadily following the words through. Repeat it. Steadily and gently within the mind. And then watch it fall apart. Watch what happens in the heart when those kind of judgments are seen as transparent. I like. I don't like. I hope. I dread. When those are seen as transparent, what happens in our heart? Suddenly, the heart is back of that quality of openness, simplicity, purity. A wonderful normality. It's the Dhammata, the nature of Dhamma itself. Pure, radiant, peaceful. 